It's time for another episode of Gospel Preaching Live, brought to you by the Kearney Church of Christ, which meets at 406 North Clark in Kearney, Missouri. Make plans to come out and visit the brethren who look forward to seeing you. And now the host of Gospel Preaching Live, Richard Dodson. Welcome to Gospel Preaching Live. My name is Richard Dodson. I work as a minister with the Kearney, Missouri Church of Christ, and it's uh, Kearney, Missouri is a beautiful place. It's uh, known for Jesse James, if you remember the outlaw. He he grew up out there. He's buried out there, according to, uh, I guess, the experts. But uh, needless to say, if I was leading to this, if you, it's a work of the Kearney Church of Christ, if you're ever in Kearney, we'd love to have you. And we'll extend that invitation a little bit more later in the lesson. If you are watching on Facebook and YouTube, then <clears throat> you have any comments or questions, suggestions, whatnot, you can leave them in the comment section and I'll be sure to check them out. Uh, there's other ways in which people can hear this lesson and they may be listening uh, via podcast or whatever. And uh, you can also contact me by going to 816-686-9517. That is my phone. You can call or text 816-686-9517. All I ask is that you remember I'm in the central time zone. You can also reach out by email. <clears throat> you can go and reach out to me by going to gospelpreachinglive at gmail.com. That's gospelpreachinglive at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from everybody, and it's always great to, to know that there's people listening and, and uh, people who are helping me with the message to get it out. They share it, and they do what they can to help spread this word, and I sure do appreciate everybody's help. Okay, this evening's lesson is uh, inspired to me last week. I was at a visiting a congregation, and, and they just started the song service off by singing We're Marching to Zion. And there were some phrases in that song that really hit me. I sung that song a thousand times, and for whatever reason, it never dawned on me, but uh, uh, there is the, a phrase at the end of the uh, uh, song, we're marching upward to Zion. And when I think about marching upward, you know, I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, for me, that's harder than walking down. I'm not really crazy about walking up. But when we're, you know, the song is really, uh, it's a comparison about our life that we live as a Christian and and how we're marching to heaven and uh you know we're we're uh, this was the other phrase that came up uh we're walking through emmanuel's ground that's part of the lyrics meaning this is jesus's path this is where jesus walked not that he walked it literally but the experiences that he had while he was on earth are the experiences that christians experience and so it made me think about, you know, that can be a very difficult task. And as I started thinking about the deeper meaning of the song, I thought, you know, this is something I think I could preach on. I think there's some good points that we can glean from it, and I hope that you'll enjoy it. Uh, but I, I do ask that you look at the picture. If you're watching, I'll try to describe it for those that are listening on the radio. It's, it's a narrow path, and it's going up a hill. There's grasses all around. There's different hills. But it's just a path that's going up a hill and it's, it's not, I wouldn't call it an easy road to walk on. It's not impossible, 
but uh, it's a it's a dirt path. It looks like it's got grass growing in the middle of it, and, and uh, you could probably in places stumble if you're not careful. But uh, yeah, it's that's the picture I chose to to think about. You know, if you're if, if you're like me, you would look at that path and you'd think, okay, you know, I can do this, but it's not going to be as easy as going down. But it's you know, it's going to be a little bit of struggle. And when you compare that to the Christian's life, we have to look at living our life as a Christian that way. Living our life as a Christian is not easy, and it's going to be a struggle, like walking uphill, but it can be done. And so I thought we would look at the song a little bit and uh, then start making the comparisons that would apply to our life as Christians. Now, this song we're marching design just by by way of uh, a background, it was written uh, in the uh, late 1600s to early 70s. Well, I'm not sure exactly. Isaac Watts wrote it, and he lived from 1674 to 1748. And then, of course, the uh, the tune itself was reworked by a man about 100 years later uh, in the late 1800s. Robert Lowry is his name. And, of course, the original hymn had 10 stanzas. In our songbook at church, there's only four. But uh, that's where the song comes from. And just by way of background, if you're ever wondering about that song, we're marching to Zion. And I'm sure, you know, you you, you may recognize it, you may not. But it, it goes, we're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion. Hopefully that... Uh, and I will remind you of the song. Uh, it, it is a, a beautiful song. And, of course, I, I know I probably didn't do it justice, but needless to say, that's that's the song. Now, again, when we're talking about the song, it's important for us to understand some basic facts about it. And that's that word Zion. You know, let's start with there. We're marching upward to Zion. Where is Zion? And that's a good question because it's all over the Old Testament. Jerusalem is spoken of as being Zion. One of the best passages that's at point blank is 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 7. When it talks about David, he took the stronghold of Zion, and then it says the same as the city of David. Well, the city of David, uh, you know, that was Jerusalem. I mean, it was a actually a smaller area. Um, it's the highest hill in Jerusalem. Uh, what is that, the southern side? I'm not sure which side it is, but uh, it, it got to be known for all of Jerusalem. But uh, needless to say, that was the original. Uh, the highest hill in Jerusalem uh, was known as the city of David and, and, of course, then later all of Jerusalem. But that's Zion. That's what was referred to as Zion. However, <clears throat> there have been prophecies made and, and ver various passages that uh, come up in the New Testament that uh, talk about Zion being different for the Christian. Now, it uses the same name as Zion, but its meaning is someplace else, not Jerusalem. And uh, uh, one passage to go for is Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 22 through 23, when it says, You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem the heavenly Jerusalem. See, it tells you right there. This is Mount Zion. And to innumerable angels and festal gatherings in the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. 
And, uh, and then it goes on. But yes, we're talking about heaven itself. And uh, when we think about Zion, we're thinking about a place where God meets with his people. And of course, in the Old Testament, he, he met with his people in the temple. And then, of course, he will be with those in the church uh, in heaven. Uh, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. And when he comes again, that's where he'll take us to be. And so that's, that's why we are marching upward to Zion. That's, that's a kind of a metaphor. When we say Zion today, thinking of heaven, it's just a comparison with the, uh, in the Old Testament with those who used to march to Jerusalem to worship. If you remember Jesus' parents, you know, they went into Jerusalem uh, so uh, uh, to worship. So, um, yes, there is, there is a time and, and uh, 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 a place for how Zion is used in, in the scriptures. And, and, you know, we just have to be able to figure out by looking at the context to see which one it is. But uh, so just be, be that as it may, most of the time in, in the Old Testament, it's talking about Jerusalem, the city of David. But uh, in the New Testament, uh, there are places where it makes reference to Zion being heaven. And, uh, and one thing, you know, as I already mentioned, the city of David, the, the Zion, was a city on a hill. And, and I think that's important for us to notice, too, because we're marching upward. You know, that, that's part of it. You know, now we march upward to heaven, meaning heaven's above us. We're marching upward, going to heaven. Uh, that's, that's the thought. But there is some comparison with that. And the comparison is that if you are going to go to Jerusalem from about any angle, you're going to walk uphill. So if you wanted to come to Zion to worship God, you're going to be walking uphill. In Psalms 2 and verse 6, um, of course, this is making reference to Jesus. He said, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. And uh, uh, uh that's that's makes reference to that hill again. And Jesus used that hill in his teachings. If you look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, uh, when he told those in the in the Sermon on the Mount, you're the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So we can see then that Jerusalem was on a hill. I mean, it was uh, the highest point the city of David was. And so from anywhere you walked, you would be walking uphill. And so there would be certain struggles with that. And so the comparison would be, again, that a Christian be walking to heaven. There should be certain struggles for the Christian as well. Now, I want you to look at this chart. In fact, I'm going to, for those watching on Facebook and YouTube, I'm going to blow this up so that uh, you can get a, a better look at it. Now, over here, if I can get my, uh, hopefully you can see the mouse right here, but uh, this is the Mediterranean Sea. So that's sea level. And so if you came in by ship and you wanted to go to Jerusalem, you'd have to come all the way up here. This is Jerusalem, and that's around 2,000 feet above sea level. So you can see then, you know, that's all uphill from there. But when they crossed over into the Promised Land and they crossed the Jordan River, look, look how high they had to go. You see, they had to go up here too. I mean, it was, it's a big drop-off to get to the Jordan River. And in, in fact, this is such a, a big steep drop. If you look over here, Mount Nebo, if that reminds you of anything, that's where the Lord took Moses so he could look into. He couldn't go into the promised land uh, because of his rebellion, but uh, that he had in uh, uh, disobeying God. 
But uh, needless to say, he was able to come up here and look down into Jerusalem. Uh, but it goes to show you how high Jerusalem is. I mean, Mount Nebo is even higher, but not by an awful lot. I think about 500 feet, maybe a little more. But uh, Jerusalem's right here. So anywhere you came, you're going to be walking up. And that's the only reason I'm showing you this now is to, to kind of give you an idea that uh, Jerusalem, if you're going to go to Zion, you're going to be marching upward. Now I'm talking about the Jerusalem Zion. So we get the idea and <laughs> the comparison. You know, a struggle to walk up to Jerusalem, Mount Zion, uh, and it was a struggle to get to uh, the heavenly Zion as well, as we're going to see. Now, another part of that song says we're marching through Emmanuel's ground. Now, Emmanuel is, is uh, that's, that's Jesus's name. Um, and so we understand that. I'm, I'm having a I'm having a brain freeze here. I want to say it means God be with us. God's with us. Uh, I hope that's right. Uh, you may have to look that up. Uh, it's it's just not cop. My brain is not working right now for whatever reason. But uh, needless to say, we're marching through Emmanuel's ground. Now, it is talking about Jesus. That's another name for Jesus. And so this path that we're going to be taking this this uphill struggling path. This is Jesus's path. This is the path that he forged when he was living here on this earth. And this is important. Look at John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Remember, he is the, this is his path that we'd be taking. It belongs to him. Isaiah 35 and verse 8, there shall be a highway be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness, the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even as they are fools, they shall not be going, they shall not go astray. This, this is that path of Jesus's that it's speaking of. And then in, in 1 Peter 2 and verse 21, it talks specifically that it's not talking about a an actual pathway like we've shown in the beginning with that picture of that path, but it is a compares, it is it's a, a figurative path. Uh, he says, and what it is, is it's following the example of Jesus. He says, for this you've been called because Christ suffered for you, in 1 Peter 2, 21, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Follow in his steps, meaning not actually follow where he walked, but you would follow the example that he set. And so when we're talking about, you know, we're marching through Emmanuel's ground, we're talking about something that, yes, it definitely belongs to Jesus, but uh, uh, it is his example that belongs to him. And that's what we have to be following. And so what I want to do for the rest of our time is to look at that path and look at some basic characteristics of that path and then ask ourselves, are we, are we marching to Zion? Are we marching upward to Zion? And remember, there, there are struggles along this path. And so th this lesson is going to be you know, quite clear in showing you those struggles. And hopefully you'll be able to, to see that. But you'll also, most importantly, be able to compare your life with the path that Jesus is on. And then you're going to be able to say, hey, am I really marching to Zion? Because we sing that song. It's important that we know we're marching to Zion. The only way you were going to know it is to know that road we're traveling.
Are we on the right road? Well, the first characteristic of Jesus's road, his path, is that it was a way of selflessness. And I want you to look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 through 8. And I want you to keep your Bible open to this passage because we're going to look at a few verses before that here in just a second. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You know, it's hard to imagine being God and being in heaven, being the creator. I mean, we can read in Genesis about how Jesus was there, but yet we find Jesus coming to this earth and giving that up, coming to this earth to live as a man. I mean, that's, that's really, truly a humbling thing. And the, and the type of man he was, he wasn't a man of uh, means. Of, of, he was just a son of a carpenter. And there was nothing really for anyone to look at and to be able to be jealous of him over. But uh, that, was, that was what he did. And he did that for a reason. He wanted to uh, practice humility. In Philippians 2, 3 through 4, that's for our benefit. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition. Now, this is us following Jesus' example. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. This is what we need to do in order to make sure that we're on the path that Jesus trod. If we're marching upward to heaven, then we truly are a selfless people. We're going to think more of others than we do ourselves. We're going to think more about other people's interests than we do our own. And that takes that takes practice, but that's what Jesus did. Jesus saw the importance of you and what you needed more than what he wanted. And so he was willing to sacrifice all and uh, to give all of himself in order to help you. And so if we're going to march through Emmanuel's ground, that has to be our mindset. That has to be our actions. That That's what we need to be doing. Now, the second characteristic of this uh, Emmanuel's ground is it's the way of persecution because Jesus was persecuted. In John 19, 1 through 3, we read how Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. You know, flogging was a very brutal thing. You know, they had that, uh, it was like a whip, but at the end of the whip, there was little pieces of metal that might cut dig into your skin and you know, pull something out. If it had two little pieces of flesh, it was, you know, you can think of it as like um, uh, uh, bar or even something sharper, uh, something like that. It's it just an awful way to be flogged. Uh, but they also took a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And uh, those locust thorns, you know, they, the tips of those have a little poison on them. If you get stuck by them, uh, they're three inches long. And if you get stuck by them, they leave welts. So that, that was not something that was very comfortable for him. But, uh, you know, they made fun of him by arraying him in a purple road, and, and uh, they'd spit on him and struck him and things of that nature. So, uh, yes, he was persecuted. 
But and Paul told uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12 that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So if you're marching to Zion, you should be persecuted. There should be things that are happening that you don't necessarily like, but uh, that's part of being a Christian. You should be suffering persecution. Now, <clears throat> another characteristic we have is that this is the way of rejection because you're going to be rejected when you're marching through Emmanuel's ground. Why do I say that? Well, Isaiah 53 and verse 3 prophesied about Jesus saying he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. So yes, he was rejected by men. And uh, and John 1.11, for instance, it talked about him going back to Nazareth. It says he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. And they didn't. It's, it's sad to say he went back to Nazareth and tried to preach to his people. It says in Matthew 13 and verse 57, they took offense at him. It said, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And they were looking at him and they were like, how could this guy be so smart? I mean, we have his brothers, we have his sisters. He was the son of a carpenter. Where did he get his intelligence from? How can he do this? And so they didn't really listen to the words he had to say. They were more concerned with, you know, who he was and, 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 you know, it was, it was rejection and he had to leave. And it's, it's most unfortunate, but that's going to happen to Christians today as well. We have to understand that there's going to be those who reject you. Uh, Jesus said he did not come to bring peace on this earth, but a sword. And then in verse 35 and 36 of Matthew 10, he said, I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Think about that. That is rejection when somebody in your especially in your own household, rejects you. But that happens. And I've seen that happen more than once. It's happened to me, uh, all because of what I believe. And it's, uh, it, it's a very, uh, it's, a, it's a hurtful thing to suffer rejection. But that's part of it. That's a characteristic of marching to Zion. <clears throat> if you're going to march to Zion, this is going to happen to you too. And you have to expect that. It's also a way of being falsely accused. I tell you, it's, it's, it, it sounds like I'm having a hard time selling Christ by going through this, but it's true. This is marching through Emmanuel's ground. And if you're marching through Emmanuel's ground, people are going to falsely accuse you. Notice what took place in Matthew 26, 59 through 60. Um, and this is concerning Jesus. It says the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus, that they, they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. And of course, it goes on to say they did find a couple. But uh, yes, they were looking for false testimony, false uh, accusations against Jesus. And he faced that constantly. That happens to Christians today. Well, a good example of this is with Stephen in Acts chapter 6, verse 11 through 13. It says that they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. Well, Stephen had not said that. 
And it says they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council, and they set up false witnesses. And, of course, it goes on talking about more about Stephen. But my point is to show you how he's being falsely accused. He was just a Christian, but he was marching to Zion. And this is part of the characteristics of marching to Zion. This is the difficult part. This is why it's an uphill road. It's not going to be an all-downhill march. This is, this is an uphill uh, travail that you're going to have to uh, encounter, and so you have to be ready for that. Now, it's also the way of obedience, and this will be our last one. Uh, if you're going to march through Emmanuel's ground, you have to be ready to obey. And we see that with Jesus in Hebrews 5, 8, 9. It says, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered and being made perfect. In other words, he did not sin. He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Those who are marching to Zion obey Jesus, no matter what. And uh, Jesus, he, when he forged the road, that's, that's part of the characteristics of it. He obeyed the Father. And no matter what, we see that in the garden. When he uh, told the Father, he prayed uh, three times, let this cup pass from me, but let not my will be done, but thy will. You know, he was living for the Father, and so that's what we have to do for Jesus. We have a will. There may be things that we want to do, but we have to understand Jesus's will comes first. And with Jesus's will coming first, you know, we have to understand that uh, we have to obey him no matter what we may desire, uh, what we may want. We're going to have to obey Jesus. That's our first and foremost desire is always to obey and glorify God. So I ask you to look at this path. You're marching through Emmanuel's ground as you're marching to Zion. And it is uphill because it's a struggle. If you look at the picture, if you're watching on Facebook and YouTube, I got a man who's you know trying to walk up a side of a mountain. And if you've ever done that, you know it's hard. It's a struggle. In this case, the struggles are selflessness, persecution, rejection, false accusations, and having to obey. Those are the things that make the path hard. But now I want you to know something. The reward at the top is great. I mean, there's rewards along the way, but nothing to compare with what's waiting for us in heaven. And so is it going to be worth all this hard work to try to get to heaven? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, it's worth a lot harder work in order to be able to go. Uh, heaven's going to be any, it's, it's just too, it can't be described. God himself couldn't do it in the book of Revelation. He could not describe the way so man could understand how great heaven could be. He had to talk about uh, uh, in figurative language because it's just, it's just too great. And so I want to get there, and I think you do too. And so all these things we talked about, even though it's, it's hard work, we we're willing to pay that in order to be able to go to heaven. One other characteristic we didn't talk about is this path is a narrow path. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. 
and those who enter by it are many, but the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So the question I have for you is, are you marching to Zion? If not, make the change. Change it tonight. Make sure that you are marching to Zion. Make sure that your life is right with God. Hey, I thank you for joining me this evening. If you are ever in the Kearney, Missouri area, look us up. We're at 406 North Clark. We meet every Sunday at 930 for Bible study, 1030 for worship. And you can learn all about the church by going to kearneychurch.com. If you like this lesson, you want to hear more like it, tune to KPGZ 102.7 FM every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Central Time. And you'll hear me preaching. If you uh, can't pick up the signal, which I doubt you can if you're outside of Kearney, then uh, just download their app. They have uh, KPGZ has an app, and you can listen every Sunday morning to a lesson. Berean Spirits is an internet show I'm a part of with two other preachers, and we study a topic each week every Thursday at 10 a.m. Central Time. It's on uh, Facebook and YouTube, and, and you can uh, join in yourself by going to carneychurch.com and pressing on the Berean Spirits app. Make comments in the comment section, and if they're good comments, we'll put them on the show. And uh, we'll discuss it. But uh, you can leave your questions and comments there. And uh, uh, if if not, you can always watch a uh, an older copy. We leave all the old shows up so that you can still watch those. And Gospel Preaching Live and Brian Spirits is also on Spotify. So you can uh, go to Google Podcast or Spotify and be able to listen to uh, one of these shows. Okay, that's all I have for you. Looking forward. If the Lord allows, we'll come to you again this Thursday at 7 p.m. Until then, remember, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice in it and be glad. This has been Gospel Preaching Live. Join us each week as truth is taught, faith is examined, and beliefs are challenged. Be sure and hit the like button so you can be notified of future episodes. And to watch past episodes, go to our website, carneychurch.com. This has been a work of the Carney Church of Christ.